Hi, well, and welcome back to yet another episode of Podcasting is Praxis, where the wheels of the news go round and round and round. Um, <laughs> fuck you! <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it's it's a very light uh, news week. Um, you know, we could there, there's some statues that took a bath. Um, <laughs> There's some turfy shit that went on, and um, yeah, protests are still exploding across the US and around the world. Um, it's literally 30 degrees in the northern uh, <laughs> Arctic in Russia at the moment, so that's a good sign of the future to come. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so we're back with another lighthearted episode, but this time we actually do have a very special guest joining us. Uh, it's a great pri- privilege to have uh, on journalist for Mel Magazine and um, Trash Future contributor, uh, Hussein Keshvani. Welcome. Hi. 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 Uh, thanks for having me on. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if I'm a contributor. I feel like that's, I'm an, actual, I'm an actual co-host. I just like haven't really been on that much as account to like having a very busy job. But now that I am freelance, I am going to be on Trash Future much more often. So uh, yeah, just to kind of clarify there. Yeah, well, we're off to a great fucking start. Here. <laughs> yeah, just trash for special guest. We might as well give up now. No, I feel like, I, I do feel like this was like one of the reasons why I decided once I decided to go freelance, that I want to go on more podcasts because people keep forgetting that like, I actually like am a co-host of the show. I just haven't been on for so long that people kind of just assume that like I'm a character that just like sort of shows up every so often, <laughs> says a couple of things and then bounces out for the next week. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I am proud to have contributed to any further misconceptions uh, about Trash Future and the other podcasts in general. Um, but also here tonight are Elijah. Hiya. And making another, making a second round uh, contribution is Natalie. Hello. I wasn't going to come back so soon, but then news happened right where I live. So I kind of felt like I had to. Yeah, I mean, it's been a quiet weekend in Bristol, hasn't it? Yeah, we didn't really get up to much. Um, I think somebody had a little swim. Like, you know, get out while you can. The weather was nice, so why not? This is nice warm water. I think we'll we'll, we'll come, I suppose, I think we'll come back around to um, (laughs) (laughs) statues taking swims. Um, First, um, I think we should, um, you know, all um, give our commiserations to Prince Andrew. Um, who really undeservedly um, the F- FBI wants to have a real word with now um, for really unrelated reasons um, that have nothing to do with his relationships to a certain American financier who may have died in a prison cell completely of his own accord and who definitely uh, was not up to things with young girls. I hope our editors love that sentence. <laughs> <laughs> I I think they want the, the, the secret genome for the super anti-sweating serum. <laughs> I think it's more. I, I think it's. I think it's more simple. Like people are just lonely. You know, we've been in lockdown for ages, and what a time other than now to like really hang out with new people and meet them and you know uh, build relationships. So I reckon that this is just going to be like a ca- very casual Zoom call where they might like do a quiz and that quiz might be like you know where is this specific landmark on uh, uh little saint james see, is it really a temple what do you think <laughs> uh, see my take on it is that it's kind of like the last ditch emergency because you know all the protesting is getting way out of hand so they've got a big like in case of emergency push here for epstein button and then everyone will calm down <laughs> 
Yeah, that's true. They have actually, like, they, they're they shoving a minor member of the royal family, you know, into the fire, and it just, it doesn't seem to go anywhere, which is amazing. Do we think he's actually going to get extradited? I mean, what's the, no. you know... No. Nah. Nah. He's a member of the royal family. Well, of course not. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it'll be funny if they had, like, a pub quiz, and the last round was, here are four obelisks, name them. Uh, but... <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I definitely do think there is a case to kind of say that this is an op to a degree. Like, it is one where it's like, oh, this is a convenient distraction from all the stuff that's like um, happening at the moment. And considering like the, uh, the the track record of the FBI, like being able to actually uncover these cases, isn't necessarily amazing. Um, I, I I don't I I think that there is no other answer to this other than like it's kind of bread and circuses. Yeah. I mean, there was a there was a a, a letter um, that his solicitors put out on his behalf, saying, you know, oh, of course, Presenzu has always been ready to to talk to the FBI about you know the many crimes that he didn't commit. Um, but you know, of course, an hour later, that it emerged that he had said, well, I do want to speak, um, but not in person. I will only have a letter, and I don't want you know to talk about certain islands and certain things. And like this is off limit, and that's off limits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, if you were if you were inclined to look at it through the lens of what's an op, there's been a suspiciously high number of like you know old uh, big conspiracy sort of cold cases being you know getting exhumed and coming to some sort of conclusion, like the Madeleine McCann thing or the Olaf Palmer uh, case. Yeah, in, in Norway, oh, which I'm, I'm very excited even... about. Um, but I wonder if it's just a little bit suspicious. Maybe. Yeah. They just kind of keep escalating this more and more each time. So you have to wonder because the Epstein thing and Prince Andrew clearly hasn't worked. Like, what level do they go to from here? Like, are they going to reveal that Switzerland (laughs) isn't a real country? No, this is when. this is when Prince Philip takes off his mask and like we find they just finally reveal the lizard people among us. <laughs> <laughs> I feel I feel I feel like we know that it's an op the moment we sort of in this will probably happen next week when like the Adnan the Adnan Sayed um serial case like reemerges again with like new evidence or something like that. That's when we're like, okay, this is sort of like a sus op, but it's an op being kind of uh it, it it's an op that's like sort of designed to add like pre- present advantages to the podcast industry. <laughs> yeah <laughs> this is we should have i i agree we should have a podcast basting based uh recovery um from corona so maybe maybe this is just the way for them to stimulate the economy it is yeah that's my that's that, that's always been my theory since like <laughs> always been my theory since since march so when i when i'm proven right i'm excited to be invited to the davos zoom meeting <laughs> just you and brace bell and sitting there hosting it <laughs> right. uh, all right but like it, it's sort of cheaper news and i always find it sort of amazing um every time you know these people in politics get caught with bribes and stuff it's always such a piss low amount um, because Richard Desmond, our lovely housing minister, oh no, sorry, he's a billionaire property developer, <laughs> and he gave the the Tories twelve twelve thousand. Um, and two weeks later, the housing secretary Robert Jemrick um, unlawfully pr- approved his one billion pound property <laughs> development. And it's like, if I'm the housing minister and like you want me to approve your one billion tax dodge um, Russian oligarch sex palace, then like. You have to give me more than 12K. I'm always so surprised when these people just are so cheap. 
they do it for the clout. It's so that they can get an invitation to the Sex Palace once it's there. Right. Like they you you get like the small you get the small um payment, but then you get like the little password to get you through the first door. <laughs> and then if you pay a little bit more, then you get the password to get you through the second door. Um, and that's and that's where it really is. Is you know, you're completely right. It's not about the money, it is about just like being invited to the weird tattler party. It's the 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 Sex Palace DLC of corruption. Just <laughs> well, like what else? Are, what what else are these empty Kensington places being used for? <laughs> that's like the only thing that sort of makes sense, right? Yeah, well, it's just like I'm I'm really disappointed because like I've been been working in politics for 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 nearly a decade now, and like I genuinely haven't been invited to a single sex dungeon yet. And quite frankly, like that was why I got into the gig <laughs> in the first place. <laughs> So yeah, for any you know, for any people that you know, I don't know why you'd bribe me, but I think you should just because it's cool and I'll take it. I'd be scared of the sex dungeons in Brussels. Just gonna <laughs> put that out there. I'm not sure the the experience would would quite live up to the sort of imagination. Uh, no. Yeah, yeah, you, so, so you won't so be going to Germany for the really like high tech sex dungeons. <laughs> so, I, I, I have some thoughts about these like sex party things, and like I've been looking for a platform to talk about them. So thank you. First well, this is this is certainly <laughs> right. the platform. So the thing is, like the thing is, there is this kind of idea of what these types of weird sex parties are like, and they're supposed to be. They're basically like we imagine them to be like the Stanley Kubrick eyes wide shut sex yeah, party scene. That's, yeah. But that's like from what I've heard from people who have been to sex parties like this, it couldn't be further away from the truth. And actually, a lot of it is filled with like sex nerds who are obsessed with spreadsheets. Like they're obsessed with like <laughs> they're obsessed with like the logistics. They're obsessed with like creating casual spaces. A lot of the time, like the logistics of these sex parties have much more to do with the people who decide. They don't want to do it and we just want to hang out in a way that isn't necessarily like that revealing so it's like you know what type of snack shall we buy how far should like the casual space be away from like where the sex stuff is happening what type of lotion should we get which is like also has anti-disinfectant properties like they are like spreadsheet they are spreadsheet sex nerd people and i imagine that whatever happens in these exclusive things they are just not fun no i mean i always think of the it's always sunny in philadelphia orgy that uh, uh, yes. Frank right. takes Dennis yeah. to. You know, what's the password? Orgy. Yeah, great. <laughs> <laughs> you are listening to Podcasting with Praxis, your regular weekly sex party podcast. <laughs> Back with more after this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, after this break, we're doing the countdown of the ten best sex loot. <laughs> I think the new, I think the new lockdown lifting means we can finally fuck again. I think shagging is now legal. Uh, no, again. if you go by New York City's latest um, kind of advice, you can shag, but you need to have like a wall in the middle. So essentially, you've got to build what? a glory hole. <laughs> <laughs> again, I think I think that this is also an op. Like they're trying to stop people from protesting and they're trying to like stop people. So they're like, okay, we're going to put, we're not putting this down to like corruption. We're putting this down to the fact that you've all been horny for ages. So we're going to let you fuck and hopefully that'll like subside the protests. And maybe, and the thing is, maybe it will work. Like that's the thing. It's not, yeah, that is it's true. not the craziest idea in the world, right? So it turns out that like reactionary Puritan sort of hard left Stalinist legislation was actually <laughs> effective and necessary <laughs> yeah the thermidorian Horny is counter-revolutionary <laughs> don't give in the thermidorian reaction of 2020 is in glory halls this is <laughs> god did anyone else see uh, nicola sturgeon's guidelines to 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 
lockdown sex that just pretty much would put Whoa. you off having <laughs> sex forever. What? I heard I heard about this, but I didn't get to read them. So can there was like lines like there was there was one line that said uh, avoid rimming and avoid anything that could lead to contact with poo. <laughs> and it was just the word poo in the guidelines, like not feces or fecal matter or, you know, anything vaguely scientific sounding. It was just Nicholas Sturgeon telling you, stay away from the poo. Stay away um, from the poo. <laughs> <laughs> but, Which, yeah. yeah, no, that's, that's, oh God, this is... Just, oh. just another... And Nicholas Sturgeon as well, that's like... That's like having I don't know your your strict Presbyterian aunt come talk to you about poo food. Yeah, or it's I mean, just like, or or it's just like you've caught your strict Presbyterian aunt having an orgy at a sex party, and she's trying to, and she's trying to explain to you that actually it's fine because we were using disinfectant lube and we and we were all guided by a spreadsheet. Oh God! Oh yeah, this is one of these awful. Podcast anymore? It was quite funny after. <laughs> it was quite funny after the after the 2014 referendum failed and then there was like a bunch of sort of legislation uh, geared towards like social things and there was like the sort of um, anti-discrimination at football act and there was all all kinds of stuff about, you know, like um, safer behavior at venues and like fewer drugs and this and that. And it, and it did kind of seem like Nicola Sturgeon was being like a sort of a, a stern motherly figure going well you fucking voted the wrong way now you can fucking you know say goodbye to all your fun um kind of <laughs> meanwhile she's put her car keys in a fishbowl on friday evening so <laughs> i don't want to think about that <laughs> all right uh, um on the topic of the lockdown i think the piece of important news that we should maybe touch on is is the revelations from the scientists behind the actual advice to the government who've come out with some scathing indictments, um, noticeably that if we'd gone into lockdown about a week earlier, we could have halved, so cut in half the death rate, which, I mean, should be fucking obvious to anyone who was looking at what's happening in any country other than Britain. You know, like, it, it's fine, we're an island, we'll be safe, is is the sort of bizarre kind of solipsism. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that's... Uh, that was a bit condemning. Uh, I don't know if anything's going to come from it because they're back up in the polls. Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's oh god. But let's let's save the polls for later. <laughs> fuck yeah! I mean, it is amazing. I mean, they've they they had. You know, this is why I'm saying the wheels of the news go round and round. Because like, when was it? Was it two weeks ago or two years ago that we had um, the the Dom Cummings, um saga to Durham? Oh, fucking um, hell. That feels like. At least six months ago. Yeah, point. it does. That's so weird. My God. What was it? Three weeks? Yeah, like, yeah. And then, like, in in any sort of semi-normal time that I think all of us should be able to remember pretty well, like, the, the stuff about the housing minister getting 12K would have seriously, like, impacted the running of a government and caused, like, inquiries and stuff. And probably Dom Cummings would have brought the government down, I would say, five years ago, mm. probably. Yeah, there's... It's... It's a little bit hard to pinpoint exactly when this stuff stopped mattering. You know, like the, the the blatant corruption and mismanagement and incompetence that we've seen from the Conservative government over Brexit, over electoral fraud issues, over Grenfell, all this funding, all, all, you know, even the, the, the fixed term Parliament Act fuckery, being a, unable to pass a budget, being stuck in this weird limbo that we had with Theresa May where like nothing was, was happening. Um 
all these things that normally or traditionally would have ended a government. I'm not exactly sure when that started, like when I'd, that started being the case. I'd say um, that's when Jeremy Corbyn became leader of the opposition, because at that point, you've got big, scary socialism. So anything that the Tories do that's bad, you just forgive because the alternative is worse. I have a yeah, feeling. But- I have a feeling about like this was a situ- this was a situation before. But again, I I I have bad memory, but also I just feel like as you mentioned, things feel so much more distant. But like everything in my brain is just like a fogged memory. But even like uh, you know, there were there were kind of incidents where. I guess the underlining thing was like because no because of the fear of like an Ed Miliband led Labour Party the kind Red of like Red Ed Red Ed <laughs> Labour Party and like his okay, yeah. and his and his Marxist plans like the graduate tax um, <laughs> uh, would like so you know and all the kind of like sentiments around that especially like towards the towards the run up of to like I guess the 2015 election um, you know. There were so many things that like the Cameron, like Cameron government, the coalition government were sort of just forgiven for on the basis that like the alternative is going to be, you know, uh, food shortages, which is like incredibly ironic now. But <laughs> I guess like I also kind of mark that period as being like the kind of emergence of at least the British culture war. Yeah, yeah, I remember the the Daily Mail piece on Ralph Miliband, you know, the man who hated Britain, the dangerous cultural marxist conspirator yeah you know bracket 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 uh. <laughs> and then we got an actual marxist conspirator and it didn't even turn out to be as cool as everybody promised <laughs> oh. <laughs> do you know what right this kind of does my tits in a little bit because i see this with <laughs> like sort of modern um labor activists on twitter we had four or five years of a labor leadership that was very milquetoast social democracy right like not mm-hmm. not super radical by the standard of the the last 10 20 30 years but because we've all been behaving um as if it was the you know first big hope we could grasp onto because in a way it kind of was and that combined with the attacks from the press we've got people who've who've been sort of seeing themselves as these radical far left you know like bolshevik type activists who just are fucking are not and they're unable to kind of contend with the reality of where they fall on a political spectrum and i think that's getting a little bit unhealthy for a british left that is like stagnant at the best of times and and actively shooting itself in the foot at the worst of times if if that makes sense i don't know like it's 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 this just niggling feeling i get that the the um the so much pressure and so much identification was put on that four-year period um that that the active left in britain is going to find it hard to sort of decouple and pick up the right strategy but then again it's not my labor party to fucking save so (laughs) (laughs) uh no speaking of people whose job uh it's ours to save um and then I promise we'll get into to, to labor and, and, and statues going. Oh, shit. Sorry. Yeah, I jumped the gun there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no, no. It's fine. But like we did, you know, unfortunately, because really there wasn't enough going on in the world, um, we do want to spend not that much time, but a little bit of time talking about uh, J.K. Rowling's latest missives from the turf brain. Yeah. Um, I'll jump in on this. So... J.K. Rowling is, has been suspected of be, having 
transphobic views for quite a while and I'm having to watch what I say now because our editor was very clear that she is very litigious so mm-hmm. I'm gonna try and be as careful as I can um but she ha- just say the word allegedly like a bunch right now and just cut it in <laughs> allegedly 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 <laughs> allegedly allegedly um but she has allegedly been suspected of having transphobic views for a while but this weekend during pride month i should add june is pride month um she basically went full mask off um, she started out with a tweet about um, kind of saying that women, all the women menstruate, which is commonly transphobic for the obvious reasons, but also, you know, erases women who are beyond menopause, women who are unable to give birth, women who are on IUDs. A lot of them don't even menstruate and they're still fucking women. Um But yeah, so she kind of did that and things kicked off a little bit and just last night she decided to write a huge essay on her website, which is... I think mental screed, I think. Yeah, yeah, I I didn't want to say it, Uh, but it's a mental (laughs) screed and it's just full of every cliche, transphobic kind of like arguing point that you could imagine. so I'm not saying that J.K. Rowling is transphobic, but the things that she wrote were transphobic. So you do the math. Um, and I'm not going to go through it all because, you know, she's got a huge platform already and she doesn't really need it any bigger. Um, but there are kind of like a few kind of touching points on there that are kind of worth mentioning is... Um, there's the moment where she called trans men with women to like feminists still care about trans men because they're women, which is disgusting. Um, and then at the end, kind of like the big talking point, she revealed that she was a victim of domestic violence and of sex abuse, which, you know, absolutely my heart goes out to her for that. It's a very horrible thing she's been through. Um, but that doesn't mean you have to become transphobic. And I know a lot of people who have been through those kind of things who are not transphobic. Um, and she implied that the only women who were trans allies had never kind of been assaulted or anything. Well, I mean, she sort of folded it into sort of this this insane argument that all the turfs seem to have about um, that that, you know, weird trans sex predators were going to invade women's bathrooms or something and then she said this is why i'm scared because i was you know i i was abused and it was just really weird and vile Mm, yeah it's kind of similar to what kevin spacey did when the kind of (laughs) me too movement um when he got caught up in that with the allegations in him where he came out of it he had been kind of like um being a kind of victim in the past so it made his actions okay which it obviously doesn't yeah Um, i mean there's um she mentions in her screed how she was love bombed by the gender criticals right mm. the first time she had like a public sort of um issue with her likes and her retweets that that were not very subtle at all i mean everyone you know anyone with half a brain could have seen Mm -hmm where where that was going 
And the love bombing thing apparently is a deliberate tactic. I've been following a few ex gender critical mm. people on Twitter and they all tell very similar stories about um, how they've been approached by people from transphobic movements um, and they've been love bombed and they've had their vulnerabilities and their traumas, right? And maybe they've had a past um, a sort of assault or domestic violence issue and that's been preyed upon and manipulated to make them absolutely terrified of this idea that um, men pretending to be trans are going to be invading their bathrooms and uh, and assaulting them. And if you sort of think about how that, like how cults operate, yeah. where there's just, they create this, this um, cyclically reinforcing structure around you so that everywhere you turn, someone is there ready and waiting to meet you with the same reinforced kind of narrative and story. And they have all these examples that they take from news stories and, you know, all these like cherry picked um, shitty situations that they'll present to you as proof that the the super predators are just waiting for gender recognition legislation to come through so they can put on a wig and go, you know, use their magic, get out of jail free card. Um, e evil yeah. trans magic. Yeah. And go assault people. The most powerful magic. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a deliberate, manipulation of people who have suffered trauma for a conservative, probably originally evangelical American right wing um, anti-social justice campaign, right? Yeah. They know that they can't really attack homophobia as explicitly because the rest of society is kind of moved on to being unified on that issue. So they're using the, the trans issue as like a wedge attack point to get into the wider thing. And I think you see this with uh, Baroness Nicholson, who is the uh, co-founder of J.K. Rowling's charity, who just the other day oh, came right out and said, yeah, I don't support them. equal marriage. Oh, yeah. is she, oh, that explains the link. She was also teed off on, on this whole business as well. I Like, I really don't understand this stuff. It's like, I mean, you know, the sexual abuse stuff is obviously horrible and, and, and vile, but like, like, you're... You know, like if you're <laughs> if you're Glenna and your wife has left you, and according to Twitter at least, uh, you know you've just exposed yourself um, <laughs> to people. Uh, you know, then like I sort of get it. Like you're a very broken person, and this is whatever it is you do know. But like you're JK, what is she's genuinely a billionaire, right? You live in like a giant palace castle in Scotland. You can do whatever you want and like if you're interested in 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 trans for whatever reason because people are curious about stuff it's like she's one of the few people who could literally you know invite the top 10 uh, 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 researchers and scientists and psychologists and like i don't know a hundred um trans people of all stripes and and varieties uh you know and and fly them first class <laughs> to your palatial mansion to give you like a one-person seminar where they all sing to you or something in chorus because you could pay for it. It's like, why do you spend your time reading shitty blogs? It's just, it's. It, I feel it, like you know. I feel I feel like that's the opposite because I was speaking to um I was speaking to my friend Phoebe who I'm trying to kind of like do a new podcast with which should be out in a couple of weeks. Um, and we were talking about all right, the, all right, room for you know, just, 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 no just the just 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 the podcast. Do you want to tell us? Do you want to tell us what it's going to be called? You know, just out of interest. <laughs> Uh, yeah, actually, yeah, I will say it now. It's called like 10,000 posts. And it's basically, it's basically a podcast about tweets that have broken our brains. 
Um, <laughs> that sounds uh, fantastic. And she's great. I don't think there's she, enough material. She's great because she's like, well, this is the thing, because there's always endless amounts of material. So you can kind of like get good longevity on it, right? Um, but we were talking about this the other day and she makes this really good point about how if you're like a rich person, actually like the thing that you want to do the most is to just post all the time. Um, and it's like one reason why, like, for example, like Ice Cube is kind of posting out all this weird stuff. It's why like so many celebrities are just kind of posting now because part of it is kind of obviously like a very nice is, is like narcissistic tendencies. Another part is that when you've kind of cr- accidentally created this major franchise, and I do think that like Harry Potter's success was fundamentally and I like to her, it's fundamentally like an accident that all of this happened. Um, oh, yeah. So like she's still trying to deal with that, like the fact that like because she's created this huge franchise and not just that, but also she has chosen to be in this position where she's constantly like at the center of it. So you know how like with some fantasy series, you have authors who are like, okay, it's this huge success, but like I've done these books and that's it. And like whatever, like the film people want to do, whatever. Um, I feel like the Twilight series was kind of like that, but there are a few other series that are the same. But J.K. Rowling was at the center of like all of this. And even now, like on Twitter and stuff, like her personality before this whole thing was the person who like kept editing the Harry Potter books to be like, yeah, actually, the actually Dumbledore was gay and the wizards don't shit. And, and like the goblins are all like Polly. I don't know like what the fuck, right? Do you know, do you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, she like, does keep so saying that, yeah. So she's created this universe where like she can self-edit and self-create and like basically make amends and she can make amends to this audience that kind of looked to her as sort of like a twitter mother like someone who you know and this is where the whole like real pathology around harry potter sort of comes in where this isn't just like a work of literature it's also this kind of ethereal piece of like i guess like phoebe put it as like you know it's presenting she she wants it to be an epic novel that always has like contemporary relevance you know and the contemporary relevance is like it's good versus evil but if you you know as time has gone on we kind of explore harry potter and we're kind of like oh no this is a story about a surveillance state that was threatened by a group of rebels and the surveillance state decided to employ a bunch of child soldiers to go defend it for them (laughs) and the conclusion of it is that order and surveillance is inherently a good thing and like what better way of like what better message of literature than like you know the the trajectory of someone whose like whole entire universe is based around the maintenance of this surveillance state joining a subculture who are mostly known for like their aspirations to be bathroom inspectors yeah i there's probably a (laughs) side connection there between like Well, I mean, like entire plots in her novels revolve around people hiding out in bathrooms. So right. I was, not- I was, sa- I was saying this. I was saying this that like, wasn't there actually like a scene in one of these novels where they were like, "We can't hide in the bathrooms because that's actually on this like map." Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It's or more than one scene. Something? It's 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 more than one scene. There's a whole uh, uh, girls' bathroom location that, that pops is, up frequently yeah. during. I think, the there is a literal. Work. There is a literal like plot critical bathroom that <laughs> is in seven books it's it, yeah. it's bizarre if you, th- but yeah, you but think could, about it but then there's like this other thing as well where it's like just with the same with the glinner stuff so like i very rarely remember that glinner was actually responsible for lots of very good comedy in this country right like i forget that he kind of wrote he was like a, he like was the creator of um father ted and that he was like involved in like the it crowd and black books and all this stuff i just know glinner as like this bizarre twitter personality but like five years ago when he followed me i was like wow like david Linner, like david linahan graham linahan is um following me that's amazing he's got so many cool followers you know 
and he's like noticed me and now like imagine saying that now is just bizarre um, I think I would, yeah. I think but, I think I would die of shame so, if Glynna started following the podcast. So going like, so going like, go like going towards a gender critical trajectory and sort of like laying your cards on the table with them is the only way that you can actually divorce yourself of the work that you're attached to, right? It's the only way that you can re- mm-hmm. reinvent and rebrand yourself. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. there's this part of me that's sort of like, is she just doing this as a way to like fully disattach herself from the Potterverse? Like oh, no, she right. desperately wants to be this new person. She's tried to kind of write under a pseudonym. She's tried to do all these like, you know, um, online stories. I completely disagree with that on two fronts. Firstly, the fact that she keeps going back to re-edit the books on Twitter kind of shows that she doesn't want to escape it. She really wants to still have that connection and have Mm. that adoration from the fan base. And also you've got to remember that she is a very privileged woman who's in kind of like the 50s age bracket. So she's naturally going to have kind of conservative views on the whole. Um, so kind of being part of a gender critical transphobic movement is mm. more part of a course. It's statistically else. more likely. Yeah, exactly. If, if she wasn't a famous writer, she mm. would probably still have ended up at that point, considering yeah. how Maybe. big... Maybe. I just kind of think that, like, if you're someone who's so involved in, like, the Potter economics of this whole thing, right, you sort of know <laughs> who your audience is. And if, like, a lot, you know, when she was posting out these tweets, I don't know if, like, any of you read the mentions, but there were a lot of mentions from, like, LGBT people and LGBTQ people who were kind of like, you know, your books, like, you know, gave me confidence and made me, like, mm-hmm. you know, comfortable yeah. with myself. And, like, you know, I wish that you could do better. I wish that you would speak to more queer people because I'm so desperate to kind of, like, basically the message, I'm so desperate to kind of, like, hold on to this image of what you, of you and what yeah. your work did for my life. And because, like, there is so much that, so, so much of our audience is within, like, the LGBTQ community, it shocks me or like it makes me really surprised that she's not aware of like what these tweets could do um you know and maybe i am giving her too much credit by saying that actually this is a conscious move to like fully kind of separate herself from the like the potter thing um maybe it's just a case where like her pr people like keep saying please don't do this like please like <laughs> if anything just like be, oh, a, god, be yeah. a normal oh, god if be a normal rich person and like make a bunch <laughs> oh. of alts and we'll do it for you Right. Oh god! Yeah. I'm, like her communications team must be like fucking sobbing oh. into their beer. Yeah. I mean, I mean Jesus, leaving imagine, the light, you know. leaving the actual transphobic nature of that massive essay alone. It was just really badly written. It was yes, a yeah, def- yeah, struggle <laughs> to get through. Um, but I think yeah, but of, like it. You know what we're gonna do? Sorry, just you know what what she's gonna do next is like she, th- her comms team is gonna leak that she didn't write it, but J.K. Galbraith did. <laughs> <laughs> but I do think it does just come down more to like the generational divide between her and the fan base because she wrote it for people who were like my age because I grew up with the Harry Potter books so I was the same age as him um and so it's people in their 20s and their 30s right there's a massive gulf in how they kind of view transgender people because of kind of like that's when we were starting to come into prominence um and you can kind of see it in the fact that almost all of the actors from the Harry Potter movies have kind of come out and told her to shut the fuck up um, like Daniel Radcliffe and Emma Watson, Eddie Redmayne, and yeah, loads of them. Yeah, I have a couple of theories on this. I mean, one of them is maybe halfway between the two of them. She may have like had a midlife crisis, a bit of an existential dread 
thing on the go and decided she really wanted to do something for like you know social or political issues but because yeah, but she's a shitty con- so much money just <laughs> i don't know but because she's a shitty conservative person the only thing she could do polar bears. was you know find something that lets her be a shitty person to a minority group and pretend that it's actually for some noble cause of protecting women it's I think it's the same thing why people like Glinner do it because it lets them exercise their latent misogyny uh, by by making women afraid for themselves, by making women afraid of sexual assault under the guise of noble feminism and protecting them from you know pervy men in dresses who are going to sneak into the bathrooms. There, there's a there's a there's a psychopathy behind it, I think, um, where people are have convinced themselves that they're doing something noble. Uh, and the reason they keep doing it and they keep doubling down and they keep getting more and more into it is because it, it gives them the adequate moral cover that they, you know, need to keep themselves believing that they're good people. And it also fills like a, a deep sort of punching down desire. Speaking of adequate moral cover, um, <laughs> not to y- yank it around too much and too hard to Can the I next, just put uh, one final closing thought, a very quick one? Yeah, please do. Go for it. Fuck you, J.K. Rowling. <laughs> <laughs> Allegedly, fuck you, J.K. Rowling. <laughs> All right. Um, but yeah, though, no, just uh, speaking of, of, of moral cover, um, I just want to say a warm congratulations to the people of Bristol what? and also to traffic lights. <laughs> Fight the power. <laughs> they've always, they've always know, been comrades. Yeah, so that's, why you, keep, that's why I also keep saying. Next time, like, you're stuck in traffic and, like, the light won't move, just just think, you know... It's on red, and that's already a good start. But yeah, I mean, when, when I was when I was driving here um, to like record this, like to record the podcast from my undisclosed location, I like one reason I was sort of late was because I hit a load of red lights, and when I looked at them, I just saw respect. <laughs> <laughs> I felt respect. Uh, it was just glorious. I mean, I just for one, we should you know be serious for a moment and say, you know, on on a who the hell does an eight-horse cavalry charge into a peaceful demonstration? You know, like, the horses shouldn't be there in the first place. Um, essentially, war horses that are trained, well, not that well trained as it seems, but, um, it, yeah. I mean, the first fault, of course, is with the police for bringing the damn things in the first place. But it was just hilarious. And then to see afterwards that everybody was, well, not I would say everybody, but the usual people were like having a, a, a well, first trying to spin it as, um, you know, the demonstrators threw stuff at the horses, therefore the horse bought it, therefore, you know, America's Funniest Home Video happened. <laughs> um, or it, it was sort of some, or, you know, did you see afterwards somebody rode a, somebody threw a bicycle lightly in the direction of a horse? It's like, no. Just you know, why can't these people ever admit that the problem was with the with the horse and with the reaction to a perfectly beautiful demonstration in the first place? Because boiled gammon tastes a lot like fucking boot leather. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just to say, you know, we are all laughing about it, but on the serious side, a policeman did fall off a horse, land in the street, and get hurt. So thoughts and prayers, everyone, to that policeman. And nothing more. <laughs>
Sorry, I'm no, no, no. Thoughts and prayers to that horse because that had quite a fright, and from what I gathered, took quite a while to calm him down. So I feel way worse for yeah. the horse. Oh no, yeah, like, don't horse. More, more than thoughts and prayers for the horse. That horse gets some proper loving. You know, good bag votes tonight. Don't horses like die all the time because they see their own shadows and have a heart attack because they're terrified because they're really? dumb. I is that not a thing? That, that, no, is that just like an urban legend? Because I've read that <laughs> in, in quite a few places. I don't know if that's true. That's like a very like it would. I would imagine like the insurance on like handling a horse must be really high if that's true. Hmm. Yeah, maybe I'm. I've just been the victim of a jape. <laughs> <laughs> but I, yeah, like I, you know, it was. I mean, it was remarkable to see, and also just like the discourse that came out of it, because there was this mixture of like people who were. Uh, kind of like doing comrade traffic light jokes which were hilarious um people who were like rightly sort of saying that you know these types of horses shouldn't be in kind of that kind of those kinds of protests especially like in places like in uh on the uh i, I don't I can't remember what the road is but like the charing cross road where it's really really like the roads are really narrow and you've got a lot of people who kind of are crowding into the spaces. Like, of course, it's good. like even if there was nothing being thrown around, like that's a very stressful situation for a horse. I um I live quite close to uh, a um community of travelers, so they like use horses. Um, I see like horses pass all the time, and they get really freaked out if you're like even driving on the off like other side of the road for them like you're supposed to stop and let them go and then drive afterwards which kind of like goes to how sensitive they are to like all this background sound and everything so like when but i don't i don't know if you guys remember when owen jones posted like these types of horses shouldn't be in these protests like the amount of people that just like went for him yeah um but it's uh, yeah Ugh, let's cut that bit i don't even know even where i was going when i opened my mouth um, i don't know <laughs> if the observation that britain is a deeply subservient and you know bootlicky kind of nation <laughs> is all that novel to be yeah honest. that's true that's true so it's more like, it's more like, like a reminder jones, than anything else yeah like, <laughs> jones just needs to tweet tweet out like a letter and i'll have great people going after him because it's not the right letter you should have tweeted f or something <laughs> Yeah, he has. He does have more Twitter power than than I think anybody else to sort of <laughs> rile the gammons all the way up. Although I have to say, and um, we have a very special uh, episode of uh, comment or commentary prepared for later. Um, the statue discourse has been some of the most mind-numbing <laughs> garbage I've just encountered in in even in hell world right now. Yeah. It's just Jesus I mean, Christ. Can I just ask a question, like? For everyone here, did anyone know who this Colston guy was before the statue came down? Because yes. I found myself, I, I mean, I've only been in this country for like 10 years, but I found myself learning something, being educated and learning about history because the statue came down, not because it was there. Um, you know, like. <laughs> yeah. So if I may jump in here, um, obviously living in Bristol, Edward Colston is a very well known figure here. Um, we've got mm. the statue, we've got a bunch of roads and schools and such named after him. Like one of the big event spaces is called Colston Hall. So his name is basically everywhere. And we all know that he's a massive slave driver and that it's fucking terrible. We've wanted that statue to come down for years and years and years before I even moved here. Um, there's been all sorts of petitions and following the proper channels 
and you know all of that and it's been years and mm. years and years we got a democratically elected labor mayor who happens to be black and we still couldn't get the statue taken down um so all in all i think it's fucking awesome but yeah, we just so did it can i just ask a question about that yeah the the bit like i mean there's now there's a labor mayor as well as you say he's 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 a uh, uh, bame as well but what's there's a, there was like some weird kind of like commission to study effects of bad statues or something that was like i don't know <laughs> <where> the, uh, <laughs> like there was i mean one of these sort of usual you know weak assed uh, uh, liberal things was like oh shit uh, controversial thing uh let's you know let's just let's put it let's let's do a commission let's shovel the profit you know the problem off into into a quiet room where it dies so we never have to deal with it again the, um, the and, statue and studying guy sitting next to the sex orgy logistics people in the corner <laughs> <laughs> like and and who who in god's name are the merchant venturers of bristol uh, oh my god so yeah we did um we did a trash future like live show about this uh which is like how i kind of first came to like so i knew who edward colston was because like i studied him during the course of my degree not like too like one of those things where you study it just for a week um so i knew kind of like who he was and sort of the extent of him being kind of very very big slave trader but i didn't find out about the merchant ventures until we did that live show because they're like an active organization that not only like venerates colston has a lot of money but also like keeps actual like remnants of his physical body so like they what? have like collections what? of his fingernails they have, like collect they have like a collection of his fingernails and stuff ah, that's fucking Why? oh is I'm it pretty one sure, of those like, things where they believe that, like, if they eat his fingernails, they can gain his power. I mean, maybe, maybe they're trying to like, res maybe they are trying to like resurrect him in a kind of like eyes wide shut weird sex ritual which involves spreadsheets. Um, like, I don't, but I just remember like just being really shocked, like hearing that stuff because it was like, oh, this is like an active group that, like, when we're talking about, for example, why didn't the statue come down through legal means? It's like, well, because there was like a fucking group that lobbied the council to like not make it happen, and, hey, and who have we had yeah. some some weird historian, you know, like, well, probably somebody who studied at Oxford University, if we saw some of the other historical takes from this fucking week, um, who, who dropped by, is like, no, no, Coulson wasn't a slaver. He was um, an enthusiastic trader of, uh, you know, human corporeal parts that <laughs> oh, were still on yeah. He was a controversial <laughs> trader, as the Daily Mail put it on their headline. <laughs> I mean, the, the, the statue itself came up over, what, like a, a 170 years after Colston died. Yeah, right? the I, guy basically pushed yeah. to have it put up, and when he couldn't get the funds anywhere else, he just paid for it himself. I heavily, so I'm getting like the same energy as like the mass-produced shitty fucking hollow statues that the, that the Daughters of the Confederacy put up of like southern generals and sort of you know confederate american war heroes all over the u.s like a hundred years after the fact yeah. as yeah. a concerted deliberate you know spread we love racism let's put statues up fucking everywhere and now people get to pretend that it's you know like a ancient primordial thing that's just there like a fairy circle and we kind of have to yeah. tiptoe around yeah. it a lot of uk statues kind of came up i believe it was around the turn of the 19th century um, due to kind of similar circumstances, um, kind of like yeah. after the abolition of slavery. 
Yeah, but the most important thing is down into the harbor it went. <laughs> we yeeted the fuck out. I mean, I mean, thing. I mean, it's no, it's it's no longer in the harbor, right? Like the um, no, yeah, they, they, they brought it back up and they're going to put it in a museum or something. Yeah, which... but they're going to they've taken like after the protest. There's a really amazing photo that kind of like all the people who were going home left their signs like around the plinth. Um, so they've taken up all of those signs as well and they're going to kind of display the statue with the signs so you are actually going to be able to kind of get a sense of the history of it and you know why he you know was celebrated and then why he was also taken down Um, so I mean I, I kind of understand it as a positive thing it would have been great if he'd be able to kind of just stay in the harbour forever I, I, I did think that like the Bristol City saying, and and I think there's a harbor master or something said, look, this is an active shipping area, and that's just not like really very handy for us. <laughs> and I have some, you know, I think thought it would have been best if it fucking stayed there. On the other hand, like if they display it again in a museum, like they better not restore that thing. Oh no 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 yeah. no! Have it like in the middle with like crabs and shit hanging off of it. Yeah. <laughs> One <laughs> thing that one of my friends suggested, which is an idea that I really love, is that we just turn it into an annual thing. So, like, on the 7th of June, <laughs> every year, we just have the annual Duncan of Edward Colston, where we like, take the like statue Burns and Knight, chuck but, it back but... in. It's like in, those, it's like in those small towns in Cornwall where they have, like, the cheese rolling contests. <laughs> oh, this year they did, this year they had one symbolic baby bell was oh. rolled from the top of the hill because they couldn't do the cheese rolling, <laughs> which is... <laughs> it's like, England is the worst country, but there are little bits of it that well, you do think speaking, about. Speaking of, like, the worst country and today, like, I don't know whether you've seen all the <laughs> stuff about um, the statue that they're trying to take down in Paul. Like, I'm trying to remember his name. Oh, oh um, Baden Powell, the, I think, is Baden Powell. Right. And, it, and, 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 and it turns out that he was like a massive paedophile. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, he, he, like, he set up an entire group of kind of like things for young boys. I'm not sure that's right. really that surprising. So, is like, this the Boy Scouts was, guy? Yeah, he's yeah. a Boy Scouts guy. He yeah. was also like a, he was also like one of the country's most like sympathetic Nazi like or Nazi like most notable Nazi sympathizers. But like there was a bunch of these writings, including one in the Guardian, which was like, oh yeah, he just liked taking naked <laughs> pictures of young boys, which was just normal at the time. And it was kind uh -huh. of amazing because like I was speaking to the Trash Future guys about this, and it's just like only in Britain would we like defend a statue of like a legitimate pedo. Um, and call it like part of like an intrinsic part of our history, but the left are trying to destroy. If that statue well, comes I mean, down, you just know that the fucking gammons raging about mosques and statues of Mohammed they are, they are, are going to lose their minds because they're kind of like, well, like mosques are all uh, monuments to Muhammad, and he was a massive slave trader too. And it's kind of like, well, number one, like that's. It's it's not a monument if like it's a building, right? Like, I'm pretty not, sure like, it's not allowed to be a monument. Am I correct in that? Yeah, like, I mean, the, like, yeah. So, like, so idolatry is fundamentally banned in every Abrahamic faith, but especially yeah. in Islam, where like one of the first acts <laughs> was to like destroy all the idols. So like, that's kind of one thing. And the second thing is you can't call a building a monument, or I guess you can, but like, if you want to call a mosque a monument, then like. What the fuck is like the gherkin in London, if not a monument <laughs> to like to Brent to Brendan O'Neill? <laughs> to Brendan, to Brendan, Brendan, Brendan. What is what is Brendan O'Neill's like glorious shiny forehead, if not a monument to free speech, um, absolutism, right? 
What it, next? Well, where, where not, will the left sorry, stop? What is not for the po- not for the podcast account? We've been banned by we've been banned for free speech by by Spiked Online. I made I made someone I made someone really mad the other day because I was kind of like what like Warhammers are also monuments. So like should we should should the left go into Games Workshop and like throw all the Space Marines into the into the sea? And someone was like really mad, and they were just like spa- like Warhammers aren't monuments. They're active figures. They're used to play a game. It's like. Chess pieces are monuments. <laughs> oh, it was so good. It was so good. Bundling yeah, out DVD copies of Starship Troopers and chucking them into the harbor. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I, what I do wonder about, because like, you always, you do see, I don't know, so many places that these protests, you know, start with A and end up with B, and then in the end, people rip down a bunch of statues. Which I think, you know, again, a week ago, if you'd have said the outcome of all this is going to be a statue dis- discourse everybody would have said no you you know like you've lost your mind but i don't know now we are we still i mean is the statue now the sort of the entry point through which we discuss the systemic racism racism against bame, BAME communities in the uk or is it just statues discourse now it's like the yeah. most superficial level of direct tangible vandalism right it's british people fucking love symbols of you know pride british history they 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 love the shit and it's not hurting anyone it's it's not doing material damage or harm to anyone but it's like a little wedge it's a sort of tip of the iceberg thing and if we can get this behavior normalized then we could possibly push on with more cultural acceptance to more significant Mm -hmm. things and i think it's important oh sorry i no, 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 go, go, okay. no, go on. Go on. Um, yeah, I think it's important to note that, I mean, in the last few days, it's not just been statue chat. This has had ripple, ripples out into other areas. Like, there's a whole load of kind of streets and buildings and such around the country where they're now kind of thinking of changing the name, such as a lot of the places with Colston in Bristol. Um, we're seeing TV shows kind of taken down, like Little Britain has come off of iPlayer yeah, because for that. it's just freaking disgusting towards everyone. Um, you've had in the world of, I cannot believe that this was allowed in the first place, NASCAR have just announced they're banning the Confederate flag from their events, which is about <laughs> like 150 years too late, but sure. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's kind of spreading beyond just statues. It is kind of rippling out into other areas as well. Although still fairly superficial one. I mean, I was going to say that, like, ultimately, and this is kind of where I worry about, like, the kind of future trajectory of these movements, because I had, I had, like, thought when they started that, like, I don't know how long it's going to take before these protests sort of become um, a situation where you're basically, where you basically have white liberals and white conservatives, like, trying to navigate this space and trying to, like, argue, like, basically trying to kind of, like, set their positions and everything. So, i.e., like, our attention on like institutional violence against black people and people of color um, would slowly kind of be distorted by this kind of, or sort of engulfed by this kind of ongoing culture war, which is about kind of like the left who are trying to remove uh, symbols of like conservatism and like conservative values 
um, and liberals kind of trying to convince conservatives that no, we're not like, in fact, like we want to work with you and we want to like help build a better society. And this is where like the Keir Starmer stuff comes in, where it's like, you know, they should have kind of taken the statue down by democratic means through like more petitioning as even though like there is a documented uh proof there's documented proof that like none of this worked for years and the only way in which this conversation even happened was when statues were taken down um but like w- what we're seeing right now especially as kind of you know this is again another opportunity for pund i mean i was think i was thinking about this when the when like we fought the brexit situation corner sort of like settled in february or march or whatever where it was like, I wonder what the people who made their career doing Brexit punditry, and I'm not going to like name names here, but we sort of know who we're talking about. What happens like when <laughs> this is done and like they have nothing else to talk about? And then when the coronavirus stuff happened, I was like, well, these people like can only really be pundits for a specific, like up to a, up to a point, up until like they can't really talk about the science or they can't really talk about like, um, you know, disease control or pest management and stuff like that. And then this is sort of like a gift horse because you know in many ways they can kind of take the brexit discourse that was already sort of stewing and kind of reflect it in another way so for them it's like you know i and this is where like the difference is because i feel like when the ferguson stuff was happening they were like no blacks like black lives matters are full-on marxists we don't support them we we take an all lives matter approach done now this is a situation where they're like okay we can agree with like institutional um, disproportionate institutional violence we believe in like the reform of those institutions but actually the big problem here is the leftists and antifa and they're taking away they're trying to kind of destroy what's good in this country that we believe um shouldn't just be for like white people but for every, like, you know a type of conservatism for everyone so again the obscure I, i'm sorry ones... i don't want to give away too much but like you are seriously breaking into comment or commentary <laughs> oh no oh no i'm sorry okay so all okay so, so, so all i'm gonna say is that i feel like this is a very deliberate way of obscuring what's actually going on and like the yeah. right-wing pundits know it yeah and yeah. i mean i think it in would... a way it for, for right-wing discourse this whole bit i mean it is quite safe because it is about history not future change and it is yeah. you know like you can get a lot of i don't know i think most people are just kind of dopey and don't really follow the news and you know just sort of react to outside stimuli certainly when it comes to current events um you know and and, and just presenting statue discourse as oh look they're trying to wipe away british history and that's why i think every all of them are so keen to get uh the discussion focused on churchill because like they know that most people a won't understand why the fuck anyone would have a problem with churchill and b you know it touches upon the most sacred myth of all which is well which is plucky britain stands alone in world war ii it would be incredibly on brand for 2020 if liberalism managed to co-opt this movement uh, take the attention away from the systemic racism and corruption within the British police forces and put the entire effort and sort of attention on statues because that is such it's it's oh, a good way yeah. of making it look like you're doing something physical that isn't going to improve um, material conditions for right. minorities and for vulnerable people that would be very much on brand yeah right well I mean the reason that I think you probably know that I don't know liberals may not even go as far as that is you know um tearing statues down is wrong while negotiations are still ongoing (laughs) (laughs) i mean labor's just been completely absent like it's it's the 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 focus group approach that 
sort of Miliband used and that Tony Blair used to kind of try and find a position that was somewhat palatable to everyone. And then Starmer's just like, how can I come up with a position that no one likes? Oh, cool. I've got it. Great. Um, it's the worst possible. Yeah. It, it's like calculated to offend, you know, people of any kind of moral principle of which I don't yeah. say po- podcasters, but you know, maybe <laughs> one the thing is I don't necessarily blame him in, and again, this might be giving him like way too much credit, but it's also one where it's like, it's, it's it's a situation where if you're like a left-wing leader especially one who is trying again to like appeal to all like in theory trying to appeal to all sides of like the party or whatever it's that he's never going to get a position that every like basically anyone likes he's always going to have a position where more people are going to be like what the fuck are you doing so for him like just like the relative silence or the relative like yeah in principle it's fine but like you know we believe in due process and again his whole his whole thing about like being leader and like is like restoring norms right so restoring institutions mm. and restoring like the idea that you can reach a sensible quote like quoting sensible consensus <sighs> so for him like this is the position that he would like he was elected for now it's an effect it's an ineffective position and anyone could have told you this because like this mm-hmm. is you know you can't really do that at a time of a you know a culture war but you know he is staying true to his brand yeah, yeah. i mean terrible basi- brand. he's basically an apathetic shrug in the human form yeah, I have a feeling he's just a really bad politician and he had a little plan that, that might have worked for like quiet opposition because Brexit was going to be the only issue. And then uh, COVID-19 happened and now the riots are happening and he's just lost. He He's a deer in headlights, has no idea what the fuck's going on. His cabinet aren't any better or any more talented. They're they're all just bad at what they do. I think that's well, like... What you're saying is Boris Johnson. If we take the Occam's... Yeah, I mean, yeah. If you take the Occam's razor approach, you know, like... Is it like an active malicious plan, or is he just really fucking shit? Yeah, is he just a bumbling? Mo- idiot? Well, I mean, if, <laughs> originally, what <laughs> before other things, uh, essentially J.K. Rowling got in the way. Um, I planned a, a, a reading series uh, for this episode featuring the the wonderful and amazing uh, GQ article about Keith Starmer. Um, I'm oh. sure you've seen it all pass by, where one of the like he knows how promoting to lines is that. Meeting. <laughs> is that he can manage a meeting, he can write minutes, and he can, you know, uh, uh, wash his ha- hands after doing a poo or something like that. Yeah, I mean, um, hey, what- hey, how many old people do you know that can have a Zoom conversation that doesn't just center in on their double chin? You know, I mean, like, it's, 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 a, it's a rare skill. He knows to <laughs> no, no, turn but what I'm trying to say is it, he goes to take a shit. That is what, But what I'm trying to say is that, like, what he seems to be, and what I think Labour, a lot of sort of again the latent Labour members who don't who aren't obsessed like we are, what they wanted was a quiet, competent office manager who didn't rock the boat, and like that's who they elected. The problem is, it's hell world, and like that really doesn't cut it. Yeah, I mean, I I tweeted this out the other day. It's 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 Labour, but the only Labour being done is middle management. Right. That's it's it's what the commentariat have always wanted. It's what these boring fucking uh nepotism fueled idiot fail children who've who've managed to stumble their way up into a a fucking column gig at one of this country's sh- p- pathetic excuses for journalism. They 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 just want someone who like will nod along when they mutter about whatever fucking boring shit goes on in their head. And uh, that's what they got. And here we are. It's 
It's the kind of person who will make sure you have to come into the office during the pandemic, even when you can work from home because they have a, a psychotic obsession with just controlling where you are and what you're yeah. doing, but they will or never ever rule... do anything to improve your lot. Yeah, or because Rule 5B says that you should. Yeah. It's sensible, mm. common sense politics. <laughs> and I thought if it's found its clearest expression in um, that god-awful photo they put out of him and uh, Angela Rayner kneeling in an empty office. Yeah, that's so weird. Such a weird photo. It wasn't as tone deaf as the Democrats kind of. Well, it's not even tone deaf. It's it's. It sort of reminded me of like (laughs) if you were in school and like you would shit yourself or something, and they just kneel down from a distance (laughs) and like, we know you shit yourself. We know that you're 16, but it's okay. You'll get through this. It'll be fine. I think it's also because his. His advisor, his advisors, and the team behind him. I think, and Natalie was a it was a good point. Like because the the Americans did the same, except they wore those um, <laughs> the candy cloths. The, the candy cloths. I'm just waiting for. Like, I'm I'm waiting for Trump to just upstage them and come out like in a full dashiki, <laughs> and like raise his fist and be like, you know, Black Lives Matter. That's why we're spending millions of dollars on the Donald J. Trump Museum for cool black things. You know what? Like, if he does that, but like he wears, well. and s- <laughs> you know he if he does that, but he also um, like has a uh, instead of like a bar of medals, he has like a, a, a photo of Muammar Gaddafi. Um, <laughs> like then, I think we should all vote for him. Actually, <laughs> it would be very Trump brand to, to to have like an all female sort of private security force behind him at all <laughs> yeah. times. Yeah, yeah, and like I reckon that. That'll happen. I reckon that that will happen. And like, we'll this kind is of... why Baden Powell wanted child soldiers. They were dual purpose. <laughs> and in, the, I mean, in the same way that like in the trash feature chat, sometimes we're like, yeah, Trump's like an asshole and stuff, but he does great tweets. Like his tweet, his tweets. <laughs> oh are, god, yeah. His tweets are so good, and it's sort of like sometimes we're just in awe of this, like how incredible they are. Yeah, but I mean, the point I was trying to make about the photo and and also the the, the U.S. thing is just. What I find sort of quite good, and what I hope if there's like a lasting effect, apart from some statues going, uh, blah, 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 um, is that um, it does seem to me that the, the the tactic that new labor and now new new labor or sensible labor, whatever we're calling this, and, and the Democrats have tried for the last 20 years and for a very long time to great success was to turn every serious socio-political issue in essentially into an empty gesture into kneeling down or saying you know um after a riot well we'll we'll do some cosmetic changes and there'll be a committee to study whatever and you know we'll give five million to rebuild an entire neighborhood so so to do cosmetic patch on it and what i find very encouraging um i think because it is really in all communities and not just the ones affected is that everybody's going hang on no, you actually have to do something, you know, like you can't just put out a photo op anymore and expect us to sit back down again. Fuck mm, you. Yeah. you know, it's I performative think th- is what it is. It's completely yeah. just performative politics for it's what people have just grown up with for the last 20 years and we're all just tired of it. I yeah. mean, actually like some change now. Thank you very much. It's also It's also like a reflection of a crisis of like our times when I sort of wonder like, well, what, you know, yeah, you have to do something about it, but like for Keir Starmer, like doing something about it is a real risk to like his, again, to his whole brand of, you know, we don't take risks. Like we are very, mm-hmm. you know, when we talk about like nuance and um, being sensible and stuff, what does that mean? It means like 
going taking the so-called middle approach which again as you mentioned is doing focus groups and checking out the vibes to kind of see what the acceptable vibe is it's all it's, it's really just like a government of vibing but not necessarily in a good way <laughs> Is Whereas it, a government based on vibing could be so good. But it reminded me a lot of like Instagram influencers and like what they're doing. So like, you know, could when... you possibly call it virtue signaling? <laughs> uh, see, I don't, I don't, even, I don't even want to call it virtue signaling because virtue signaling sort of has a particular type of intention, right? Whereas, yeah, what, yeah, I've yeah. Seen, what I've seen with a lot of influencers is like this is a moment where they just genuinely do not know what to do because they're sort of like, you know, um. They, they, they sort of like they can sort of recognize the structural problems but at the same time i feel like when we really think about what these riots are and like what we when we talk about what we mean by racial justice or um a type of social justice movement where we are kind of conscious about the inequalities that people of uh you know black people and other people of you know different ethnic minorities face i think we're also talking about like a system that incentivizes or encourages that right and yeah. you can really take a position of, you know, you either take a position of, I want to readjust the system so that the same types of inequalities exist, but maybe like we have a few more like black women or even like uh, trans people of color um, on our stuff or like on our board or something like that. But like the structural issues don't actually change. But when you have actors or when, when the people in power don't, aren't invested in seeing that system change like what is the only thing you can do except do photo ops and to kind of like take pictures of yourself saying but like you've read like why i'm not talking to white people about race anymore yeah the influencers thing is interesting it's like a microcosm of late stage capitalist society yeah they've exactly yeah they've hollowed themselves out so much that now they they no longer have the internal structures and institutions to adequately deal with a massive global crisis and yeah, they're just exactly. lost. Yeah. yeah. Did you I mean, see that episode. photo that Kendall Jenner Sorry. put out where she'd actually photoshopped in for Black Lives Matter sign to make it look like... Was that was her? I thought that was somebody else who did that. It was know. one of the Jenners. It might not have someone, been Someone just has to give a Pepsi to an officer and this will all be over. <laughs> why, is no, why has no one thought of that yet? Well, I, you know, the last time I gave a can of Monster Energy Zero to a police officer... Um, we became best friends until he betrayed me on Call of Duty. <laughs> so I'm never doing that again. No, that's. <laughs> I think that's a very light, wise lesson uh, for all of us. Right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. And on that happy note, um, shall we play a game of comment or commentary? At? Yes, please. Cool. Who's taking notes? Um, or, or sorry, who who's keeping score, as it were? I think you've nominated yourself. Just Fuck's sake, it's fine. <laughs> uh, Hussein, have you ever played this game? No, I have not. So right. I'm excited to uh, do it for the first time. All right. This is the, this game is called Comment or Commentariat. Uh, and it's, it's quite simple. Um, I have been through um, the bad places on the internet. Thank um, you for and your And I found a, <laughs> a series of, of takes um, and the your job and then everybody else's job and also if you're playing along at home is to guess what i've just read out is written by commentariat so you know people with um uh i don't know with bylines columnists uh you know guardian dweebs that kind of stuff okay. or is it someone who's commenting below the line uh and is just a random internet user so comment or commentariat great okay cool 
Yeah, um, and in honor <laughs> in honor of Bristol uh, and the events and the insane dialogue of the last couple of days, as I hinted at before, um, this is a uh, statue special. <laughs> we love to see it. <laughs> yeah, and just just so you know, like the amount of takes I skipped for this included, and I'll just read the headline, and I promise this won't pop up later. Um, this is what like was left on the cutting room floor today. Uh, it's Vanessa Feltz in the Daily Mail writing, Prince Charles is the coronavirus lockdown hero. <laughs> <laughs> Could just picture him like riding so, yeah. into the distance with like the Ben Hur soundtrack just like playing him up. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right, so um, this is the um, well first first take, and then your answer is comment or commentary at. Um, all right, quote one. Uh, For what it's worth, I think Bristol is a better place without the Colston statue, but I disagree of the method of removing it because it represents a mindset I find deeply sinister. No doubt, for example, the fervent ISIS jihadis who torched the library at Mosul and flattened the Temple of Baal at Palmyra felt they were pursuing righteous justice in eliminating evidence of past regimes they despised. Jesus, that took a turn. (laughs) This is is commentary because of the the cadence and like only a commentary app person would be able to kind of write a tweet that sort of flips 180 like that. Oh no, this is not tweets. Sorry, should be specific. This is all like written for publication in newspapers. Oh, okay. Then like that piece of writing. So that's commentary. I'm pretty sure that's commentary because I'm pretty sure I saw it linked at some point. (laughs) Oh, that's cheating. Uh, (laughs) I think that's comment. I can picture the kind of journalist who would... uh... Oh, sorry. No. Um, wait, no, yeah, commentariat. Yeah, yeah, I can yeah. see that being being written. So that's yeah. everyone for commentariat. That's above the line. Yeah. That's, that's you are correct. It is above the line. It was Sarah Vine writing in the Daily Mail. Yeah, oh my God. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but, but like, as mentioned, like, that was not, a, that was like not an innovative take. Like, that was a take that was made several times during that, during that whole <laughs> Yeah, I know. They, there were like a whole host of like identikit takes to this one. I quite like the turn from Removing it is good. The mindset is about ISIS. <laughs> My favorite one is why don't you just take down the pyramids? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that one's that's very a good great too. one. The problems right, in so. modern society are bad, but their causes are very, very good. <laughs> just kind of flipped on its head. <laughs> All right. Um, so round two. Here we go. You can't change history. The UK is the most tolerant nation on the planet. <laughs> Everyone enjoys the freedom they have because of that past. Oh god, that's comment. See, this is the problem because when it comes to like defending the the moral upstanding character of the UK, both the professional classes and the gammon classes end up just sort of coalescing on this one particular pinpoint cross of of complete madness. So I'm not entirely sure. Um, (laughs) I'm going to say commentariat. I just think it's Wait. so insipid that it could be either. There's like no substance in that sentence to actually get a sense of anything from the writer. Um, so I'm basically going to toss a coin on this one. Uh, <laughs> I'm going with comment. Uh, it is indeed a comment. It was actually a comment left on the piece written by Sarah Vine in the Daily Mail. <laughs> <laughs> Only, only a comment. Only a comment could be like that absolute in its statement. I think. 
Uh, you'd be surprised sometimes. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. Let's see. The next one is. Um, all right. So here goes round three. Nobody would dream of demolishing Auschwitz. It is a permanent reminder of, of the, one of the worst atrocities in history. These statues serve the purpose of reminding us of our past. If you don't understand and remember the past, you can't shape the future. Oh, I hate that yeah. take so fucking much. <laughs> this is, oh, oh, this, this is a tough one because it could actually be like, it could be a genuine columnist who like wrote that. Yeah. I, I'm I still going to go with comment. I'm going to go with comment though. I think it's columnist. That sounds fairly. I know it sounds columnisty. I can't think of a better way of saying it. <laughs> it does have that rich, uh, cheesy dressing of um, Nazis and Auschwitz <laughs> draped all over it, so I can understand why it's more difficult. It's so infuriating. Like the 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 fucking Auschwitz isn't in the middle of like an urban area where Jewish people live. Because if it were, it would be fucking gone. That <laughs> it's what they did with the ghettos and with all the you know the the. The areas yeah, the in the cities where they actually lived. The, yeah, yeah, they fucking got rid of them. Um, because, fucking hell. Can you imagine, you know, what kind of... <laughs> sorry. <laughs> who thinks Who thinks people live near Auschwitz? Who thinks people walk past it every day on their way to fucking work and go, ah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. This is my daily reminder not to, not to do genocides. <laughs> yeah, I needed that. Um, who knows what I might have gotten up to. Uh... I it's it's I I don't know my my respect for the journalistic classes. I did a fucking master's degree in journalism. My respect for people who do the job is so <laughs> fucking low. I honestly <laughs> couldn't tell you. Uh, I'm gonna yeah justified <laughs> low uh, expectations and low um uh yeah just like low everything. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna just flip my trend and go with comment. Yeah, it is indeed comment. You are correct. Um, that was a close one. Though. Yeah, yeah, I know. By the way, this was yet another comment left on the same article. By <laughs> <laughs> Did you just get all of your fake quotes from this one article? I was genuinely, I was genuinely tempted to do that because, like, all the comments that whole article. By the way, I could have quoted top to bottom, and then, but there were four thousand five hundred odd comments, and like, I scanned, I think, two hundred of them, and then I poured a little bit of bleach into my eyes just to feel better. <laughs> So this is round four. We are witnessing a new wave of a culture war. A small number of individuals are violently pushing their agenda, seeking to smash the settings on society's defaults. Street-pounding Marxist-Leninists see it through the prism of vanguardism, the anarcho-left merely as its precursor. That sounds like Peter Hitchens. Uh, <laughs> it, sounds like is... very Brent, it sounds very Brendan-y as well. Yeah, it's definitely commentary at like definitely yeah i think so too yeah commentariat yeah you are all correct it is commentariat and it is from my favorite place of bleeding eyeballs it is conservative woman (laughs) 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 which hussein if you've not encountered it i i would strongly urge you to 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 go to that place because it's a wonderland of um really like it they're conservative like christian right um tories and they are just mad. They are very deeply mad. Are you trying to intentionally cause the same harm? <laughs> I would never do it intentionally, but you know, <laughs> I, I just, I've never gotten a tattoo, but I've always thought if I ever got one, I would get one that said, uh, Misery Loves Company. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, Mine would so say lemonparty.org. Is... 
<laughs> Got put back to the intro, isn't it? Um, all right, so this is your final um, puzzle for the evening, uh, round five. Here we go. As with all revolutionaries, the aim of the zealot is to achieve absolute obedience to their dogma. This is why the demolition ball is accompanied by the spread of censorship, the invention of thought crimes, and enthusiasm for witch hunts. It is a climate of remorseless intimidation, and social media now acts as an arena for McCarthyite show trials against perceived dissidents. Commentaria. Only a commentaria would use oh, yeah. that, that kind of trajectory. Oh, like that's, oh. That reeks of commentaria, or uh, a very accomplished co- comment person. I'm gonna back for trend. I think that is a comment, and I think it's from the BBC website. <laughs> I'm gonna go out on a limb. I'm having a hard time working out what that's arguing against or for. What is it? A wrecking ball? Of it's, it, a demolition yeah, ball of of something? Of what? Of of SJWs? Uh, um, the aim of the zealot is to achieve absolute obedience to their dogma. This is why their demolition ball. And this is about in reference to statues, Natch. Yeah. Is accompanied by the spread of censorship, the invention of thought crime, and enthusiasm for witch hunts. I mean, they're not wrong. I just get the feeling they're directing it at the complete opposite. Ooh, they are not directing who actually it at the does right that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I think commentary. I'm going to try and get another point here. You are going to get another point. Um, it is um, what I can best uh, describe as a pudding in human form, which is Leo McKinstry writing in the Daily Express. Oh, yeah, that place. Wow, I mean, That's... fuck, I didn't even know like they still wrote opinion pieces. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Entire <laughs> website corners full of them. Leo McKinstry is a, is a, is a welcome return uh, guest on, on this particular <laughs> game show. <laughs> which, which Diana are you today? <laughs> six pictures you can pick from uh, Any, anybody just like for a bonus point anybody want to I mean you'll get this in two seconds but anyway anybody want to guess for a bonus point which author Leo McKinstry references two sentences after this is it George Orwell yes you're right gotcha. <laughs> I'm looking forward to like Twitter's like new thing you know like they're unveiling this new thing where it's like have you read the article oh god yes and <laughs> I really want them to just like do that, but every time someone mentions Orwell's 1984, I just want to make them what? read the whole book. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just oh, no, so they'll never post always... again, right? You know, because they'll never get through it. Yeah, um. my my guess is always that they have read George Orwell's 1984, but that it was like a you know 150 thousand years ago in in primary school. Yeah. Or it's kind of like how you don't understand like the subtext of particular things when you're young because you're just like. You know, it's kind of like how people always misinterpret Catcher in the Rye or when people like read the V for Vendetta graphic novel, they don't actually mm. understand any of the subtext. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, cool guy in mask blows up things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's that sort of kind of weak attempt to reclaim the Punisher from the cops, <laughs> which is going to go swimmingly, I'm sure. Um, maybe yeah. they can just do a comic where the Punisher says Black Lives Matter and he shoots a bunch of... Uh, I, w- I will say one of my favorite people. Uh, I won't say well, favorite is a strong word, but one of my sort of I like that the that the U.S. Uh, sorry, the U.K. Police Federation uh, was trying to get in, get in on what like all the little hurt little piggies were doing uh, in the uh, U.S. and they posted like four photos 
of cops with like very minor ouchies with a little blood running out of it and they're like <laughs> all in a day's work you know clearly and like, and like two of them were hinting from like that the cops had kicked the head in over the uh, black lives matter protests but mm. as was very quickly pointed out that like they'd had to like gather four years worth <laughs> of photos for that one little collage <laughs> And like two two of them were from like far right protests, which they didn't handle very well at all, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, again, someone really has to like fix up their PR and I don't know who that could be. So. <laughs> it's certainly not gonna be us. I mean, if no. I wouldn't even <laughs> even if they paid me, I wouldn't shit post for the police. All right. Well, do you want scores? Right. Um yeah, give us the scores. So uh in third place with uh, three points is Natalie. Whoop, whoop, um, yeah, and in and then t- I believe tied for first place. If the bonus, if the bonus point counts, if the if the George Orwell guess counts, then myself no, and Hussein both easy, have sorry. five. But otherwise, I got four of them right, and Hussein got them all. Yes. Yay. So, yes. Yeah. It's just another example of how I'm just too too online for my own good. <laughs> All of this is just like burned into my brain. Like I was saying this again to Phoebe, and I feel like she has the same thing, which was just like, you know, I can't remember like family things that happened like two weeks ago or any kind of like memories from like secondary school or university. Childhood. But I, but I can remember playing in the garden. I can, I can remember like all these kind of really obscure tweets. They've just been like burned into my brain and they've just taken over all the real estate and they just live there forever. All I see when I go to bed is just drill tweets floating around. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, but Hussein, you know what, you know what somebody should do? That, that would be a really good idea. Somebody should make like a, a a podcast about those types of tweets. They should. Yeah. And they should like go on for like hours about how these tweets are really important and how actually like it's good that it's all etched in our brain and like, um, but they've kind of done more for linguistic culture than like any sort of contemporary novel. <laughs> that sounds cool. Do you, do you know anybody who's working on that, for example? Uh, I don't. But if you let me, if you tell me, <laughs> if you tell me, then because <laughs> uh, that's exactly what like leftists need right now. They need more podcasts. Yes, exactly. So I'm just, so it's I'm what just, we all need. I'm just providing a service as demanded by the market. <laughs> all right. Uh, yeah, okay. I, 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 well, as are we. This is the you know we are after all. All of us are in the marketplace of ideas. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be keeping an eye out for the uh, upcoming podcast from uh, our special guest Hussein about tweets and why they rule. Uh, yeah. So. Anything else you want to plug? Uh, listen to Trash Future. Like we've got some cool stuff coming out. Um, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Oh, can I plug mine too? Yeah, you can plug yours too. Yeah, yeah, cool. Okay, uh, so I've been doing a podcast about music with my uh, Irish bandmate. It's called The Bottle Cap Preachers, and we have a look at the charts and what's in the sort of the top 10 and the singles because it's not music that we ever listen to. So we kind of, um, if you don't follow the charts, but you want to be aware of what's going on, you can listen to that. If you want us, if you want to hear two musicians slag off music that they have no fucking clue about, if that's your jam, you can listen to that as well. Uh, we just did an episode about protest songs and kind of political songs, which um, you know we thought was interesting. We loved doing it. Was so, it? Was, yeah, it, all, was it entirely the bottle cap preachers? Was it entirely about fight song? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, it's not. We had a look at some rebel songs and like a bit of like old '60s stuff, and you know, kind of Pete Seeger, Woody Guthrie, but also like Wolf Tones and Barleycorn and some modern sort of political 
music. So um, I think it's interesting. But uh, yeah, give right, it a listen. That's that's your plug. All right, I, um, I have nothing to plug. Nothing, Ladley. I, I, do I wanna... don't have a podcast to plug, but you know, get out, protest. Take direct action, because as you've seen this week, it worked. Yeah, direct action is very cool. And on that note, I think we can all say goodbye. And um, I'm sure we'll be back with more episodes soon on other stuff and things. All right. um, Bye-bye. Bye, folks.